Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, November 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. EU tech companies are laying off workers. The Bank of England raised its rates, but it's not taking all of its cues from the Federal Reserve, and Germany is reconsidering its relationship with China. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Tech stocks have been tumbling and now jobs are actually going. Ride hailing services, left yesterday said it's laying off 13% of its workforce. Also yesterday, the CEO of Stripe said his company had overhyped for the war we're in. The payment processor will cut 14% of its workforce. Amazon also said it would pause new hires. These lays off are part of the company's efforts to cut costs as consumers pull back on spending. This morning, we'll get the latest reading on the broader US job market. Job growth is expected to have cooled for a third consecutive month, a sign that the Federal Reserve's rate increases are having their intended effect. The Bank of England raised interest rates yesterday by 75 basis points. It's the BOS highest rate rise in 30 years, but the central bank also signaled it won't raise rates much higher. The really funny thing, in a way, is the market reaction, right? Our market's editor, Katie Martin, says usually when rates go up, people buy the currency. The market could say no, sterling for like 2%, and the reason for that is, you know, markets are about where reality and expectation met. And what the Bank of England said in the press conference after moving rates was we're probably going to end up raising interest rates less than the market has priced. So, you know, the market thinks that the rates are going to get sold off, you know, 5% of their votes, we think it's gonna come in less than that. This is so starkly different than what we heard from the Federal Reserve yesterday earlier on Wednesday when you know Jerome Powell came out and said that the interest rate rise will be more gradual on a meeting by meeting basis. But the ultimate place where they think up is gonna be higher than they initially thought. And the Bank of England is saying pretty much just the opposite, like we're stopping out basically right around here. So one of the limitations of the Bank of England, one of the reasons why it can't necessarily slam the brakes as hard as the Fed, is because it knows that there are so many more judges out there, there are so many households that have got this relatively short than mortgages that we have in this country that every time a household has to renew it, it sets a new interest rate and that links back to government bond yields and it links back to benchmark interest rates. Two million more days are going to get rolled over line that by end of 2023. Well, now the Bank of England knows, the Treasurer knows, everybody knows that there's gonna be real pain on household finance if mortgages rates really shot to the moon. So in the background, we have this bubbling along. 
we know that the Bank of England can't necessarily be as aggressive as it might otherwise like to be. Cody Martin is the FT market seller. Russia this week said it will rejoin a deal to allow Ukraine to export its grain. A few days earlier, Moscow said it would quiet the deal, alleging Kiev had attacked its naval fleet in the Black Sea. Our defense and security correspondent GP Radbon says Turkish President Recep Tayyip helped Moscow get back on board, but on the ground nothing really changed. Erdogan Khalid Putin and apparently made clear that Turkey had all the leverage, so the Green Deal never actually stopped because the ships kept on going anyway, and Russia was sort of worried that Turkey would join the Western sanctions and sell more drones to Ukraine and generally cause more headaches for Russia in other conflicts where they backed the other side in Armenia and Libya and Syria. So it looks as though Russia's bluff was called. Also, GP says Russia doesn't have the military power in the Black Sea it used it to. So it's harder for it to board grain ships. I mean, because its naval vessels would then be at risk of attack from the coastline. From Ukrainians on the coast, Ukraine doesn't really have much of a navy. It just has some patrol boats, but it has got quite a long reach. What line to see missiles? So the ability of the Russian Navy to control the Black Sea is much diminished. It's not gone, but it's much diminished. That's the FT GPS Radbone. Today, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is in China. He is the first G7 leader to hold talks with President Xi Jinping since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. His trip to Beijing wouldn't be easy. Political and business tensions have soared Germany's relationship with its largest trade partner. The FT Europe China correspondent Juan joins me now to talk more about this. Hey Yuan, hi Mark. Yuan, you've been writing about German businesses falling out of love with China. What has had happened? Yeah, so it's funny because the phrase, you know, falling out of out of love comes from a quote from the, the head of the European Chamber of Commerce in Beijing. And we hear your talk about the kind of lost love affair, particularly for small and medium-sized businesses, the kind of famous German middle son, as we call it, those businesses. I think had a lot of hope and expectation for their, for their trading opportunities in China, and there was a huge amount of benefit for both sides. And over the last few years, particularly, I would say since 2015, and to an ever greater extent since the COVID lockdowns, over the last few years in China, it's been very difficult for them to do business in China and the spread through shorter as a result of the COVID disruptions and the disruption of their supply chains, business people in Germany not being able to visit their clients in China and get and get up those relationships and losing ground to Chinese competitors, either because those competitors have overtaken the German companies who used to be the major suppliers, but also because of the 
of what the German companies would consider foul play allegation of AP theft of unfair subsidies from the state of its state-owned enterprises, meaning that it's an uneven playing field for them. What about the big German companies who are talking Volkswagen, the country's other global giants? How are they managing their businesses in China? Are they getting frustrated too? Look, the concerns that we're talking about, a lot of those are much more painful for small and medium-sized companies than for the big giants who already have hundreds of staff in China. The risk of EU sanctions, even in the case of an invasion of Taiwan, are distant enough that for companies that are making a huge amount of their revenues in China, as the German chemicals and automotive giants are, it's not going to be enough of a reason for them to pull back from their biggest market before, where profits are still high. The era of easy profits for gaming companies has gone, but right now there is still tremendous growth opportunity for them in China. Does Scholz have support from his coalition government on how to deal with China? There's a lot of division within the German coalition government right now on Olaf Scholz's approach to China. Certainly the Green Party control foreign and economic ministers, I think, are generally more concerned more cautious, more hawkish about China than Scholz himself. And we've seen that kind of inter-party dispute play out over the decision to permit the Chinese shipbuilding and porous company Costco for Costco for acquiring a minority stake in the port of Hamburg terminal. And just to clarify, six German ministers opposed the deal, but Scholz held it through. So what does it mean to not have the full backing of this coalition government? That's a real concern for Scholz. Is how he message his trip domestically. There is a real concern that it seems too much to be playing to the favor of the Chinese government. And on the other hand, Scholz himself is probably thinking to January when the Chinese strategy of his government is going to be published. And the overall result of that strategy is going to be presenting a lot more of cautious and in some ways kind of hawkish view on China. And so it's important, I think, for Scholz in his own mind to build some some of relationship with the Chinese government before that strategy is released. Zhuang Zhuang is the FT Europe China correspondent. Thanks, Zhuang. Before we go, one final reminder that if you're hooked on the FT Weekend podcast, you won't find the show on our podcast feed anymore. Our weekend friends are now only on their own feed, and there's a brand new episode out today. So you can go subscribe to that with the link that we have in our show notes. Now the FT News Briefing feed will have something tomorrow, a special episode. We put our entire EU's midterm election series in one show. In case you miss any of episodes, make sure you check it out on Saturday.